What's up everyone? I hope everyone had a great day today and in a better week in general. I'm your host Griffin Proc and as some of you can tell, I've been cooking up something new in the background that I'm excited to launch here. They say life is too short not to spend some of your day doing something that you love and that thing for me is talking sports. And some wise person said once, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So there's that. And uh, I'm going to live by that with this podcast for now. So, and yes, the answer to your next question is I'm your average 20-some guy that grew up watching SportsCenter in the morning before school, just like most dudes in the morning. and was like, I want to do that when I grow up. So welcome to my podcast, Show About Sports. I hope you all enjoy my casual conversations, headline news, my thoughts, and everything else in between. Wink, wink to anyone that follows my other podcast adventure, the in-between newsletter. There won't be a lot of structure, as you can tell, to start off, as I want to try a bunch of different segment types. So make sure to let me know which ones you like so I can make a series of them. But again, who knows who's going to listen to this, so I'll appreciate any sort of like or comment on any of this stuff to start out. And bear with me. I don't know, you know, everything about sports. I don't have a lot of credibility. I'm mean, your average 20-some guy. So let me just get a couple in, in my books here. I watch a lot of sports stuff. I like to talk a lot of sports stuff with my friends who would say that I have bad takes. So don't listen to them. I definitely have good takes, and you'll feel the same way. But without further ado, let's not waste any more time here. We've got a couple fun subjects that I'm going to go over today in the sports world. A lot to do with the running backs. I know there's a lot of news about some of them on the move, not a lot getting paid. Kind of some best landing spots there. Plus, who doesn't love a good ranking list? So, of course, everybody's getting ready for fantasy football. So I have a hyped and scared list by position that I want to go through. And then kind of this theory I've been cooking up on bi-week placements that I don't think gets enough news headlines and kind of goes into that whole, does the NFL have a script? Because if so, this would be on it. And then two other topics I want to cover covers, obviously the new quarterback tiers have been announced. and A lot of people are not liking them and I don't love them either. So I'm going to go over some of the things that I saw, liked, didn't like, and everything else in between. And then last but not least, let's talk college football because NFL, NBA, they get all the headlines, but who doesn't love a good college football? So I'm going to talk about who's winning it all, who's taking a step back and who's up next. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into things here. Okay, like I said in my intro, a lot of fun topics I want to cover, but the first one I want to cover to hopefully make some legitimacy out of myself here on the sports world is kind of this theory I've been cooking up about bi-week placements. And are they a concern for season results as a whole? I think so, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. We're talking about one of, if not the most brutal sports on the planet, football football these dudes are getting a hit by Aaron Donald every single week and are expected to get up and I don't know if any of you have watched the new quarterback documentary but look at Kirk Cousins look at Patrick Mahomes look at Mariota they're on borderline ready to quit football after every week depending on who hits them the week before so I don't want to hear the whole bye weeks don't matter they really matter and what I think matters the most is having it in the middle of the season I can't, it can't be understated that if you don't have a bye week between weeks 7 and 11, and that's my metrics, you are at a disadvantage. It's 18 weeks of a season. You want your season to be split somewhat in half. Yes, not every team can have it in the middle, but those that land between 7 and 11 have the best advantage. Because think about all the travel. Think about time away from your family. Think about the mental aspect of it. To have it right down the middle is the best thing. And so here's where my theory comes from. So... I looked at 
off of my metrics of week seven through eleven, last year's good teams buys week. Ugh, I can't even speak. Last year, good teams buy weeks in the middle of the season, so weeks seven through eleven. So that list included these teams: Bills, Vikings, Eagles, Chiefs, Chargers, Cowboys, Giants, 49ers, Ravens, Bengals, Jaguars. Miami, Seattle, and the Buccaneers. Now, you might be saying to yourself, dang, that is a good list of teams. Where do I know that list from? Well, you'd be not surprised to hear that all 14 of those teams were the playoff teams last year. They all landed with buys between the weeks 7 and 11. So what does that tell you? They have the best chance because they're the healthiest and the most rested at the right time of the year. Now... That caught me so off guard. Maybe everybody else knew that, and I'm just dumb and I've never heard that before, but the fact that every single playoff team last year landed between those weeks that I completely made up on my own, 7 to 11. You know, It could have been 6 to 12 or whatever you, whatever you think the middle is, but 7 to 11 specifically were every single playoff team. So you knew what I had to do. I had to go into this upcoming season to see who has the early bye weeks and who has the late bye weeks. And when I say early, I mean five to six, week five or six. Think about that. You play four games out of the 18 weeks and then they're like, all right, you can take a break. That's not a break yet. I would not want the early on. I want my break later when I'm tired. I've been hit one too many times. Again, I'm just speaking out of turn. Football players, please tell me if that's different. And then what I definitely don't want is the late bye weeks, weeks 13 to 14. You've played a gauntlet of a season so far, and then you finally get a break. You're supposed to mentally recharge at that point. I would only think that it would be very hard. So what I did was I calculated what those teams are and if they have on a rating, PFF ratings of whether they have an easy, medium, or hard schedule. And these were the teams that really caught my eye. So early bye week teams that I'm worried about. Seahawks and the Chargers. Seahawks have a medium tough schedule. They were a playoff team last year. Chargers have a hard schedule this year and also land early in the bye weeks. Both of those teams are supposed to make a huge leap, but as we know with playoff teams, so much switches on a year-to-year basis. Not the same teams go year after year after year. It's very hard to make the playoffs. And so I think either of these teams could take a step back. These are both fringe playoff teams. We all expect because of how great the Seahawks did last year, and bias, I am a Seahawks fan, that they would continue that step. But they are a young team. They're still learning the game. So having your bye week early doesn't really bode well when you then have to play the rest of your season, more than 80% of your games, straight, without a break. Chargers, they're always supposed to be better than they are. Everyone says Justin Herbert's a top-five quarterback. I mean, let's see it then. Let's get to the playoffs again and beat a team instead of losing to the up-and-coming Jaguars like they did last year to an upset victory, I might add. So both of them having medium and hard schedules I think is not boding well and could be two teams that come playoff time might not make the playoffs. And I hate saying that being a Seahawks fan. Let me tell you, I'm not about to watch 18 weeks of football and not see the Seahawks in the playoff after last year because I'm team Geno, let them cook. But And I'm also team Pac-12. I love Herbert, but... Are they ready to take that that step coaching-wise? Do they have the talent? We'll have to see. And then the late bye week teams, these are weeks 13 to 14. So they've played a full season, and now they're ready to take a break. Are the Ravens, Bills, Vikings, and Giants. Those are the big call-outs. Now, out of those four teams, the Ravens have the easiest schedule. 
yet they deal the most with injuries. I swear I hear a new injury coming out of that camp every single week. Lamar was hurt last year. Running back room's a disaster. Wide receivers are a little bit injured. They're bringing in a recently injured OBJ. I mean, hopefully they can stay healthy throughout that stretch so that when they get to that point, they can take that much-needed break. But the easy schedule will definitely help them. But the Bills, Vikings, and Giants, all hard schedules. All of this is according to PFF, and that will change based on how expectations change throughout the year. These are based on 2022 statistics, obviously, and any sort of deadline moves that were made. But, I mean, you look at the Bills, everyone's like, they need to take that step. But are they going to take that step? I don't know. Defensive head coach is always the thing that everyone points out, and I kind of agree. They don't really have that that next level that they're ready to go to. They didn't make a ton of moves that I was super impressed with. The dig situation is worrisome. I mean, the Bills are supposed to be great in a packed AFC. That's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie to you. If we're talking about the Bills maybe missing the playoffs or a wild card team, I wouldn't be as surprised due to that hard schedule in a late, late bye week. What I'm not surprised about is the Vikings and the Giants being on this late bye week uh, kind of spectrum and also them maybe missing the playoffs. I mean, Vikings terrible defense last year had the minus point differential overall I mean they barely won every single game they played it was kind of a magic magic uh what was that thing that happened back in the day when the Vikings won that other game with Case Keenum and Stephon Dix can't remember off the top of my head but that's what it felt like all year last year and so them taking a step back and the Giants where they had a good year but Saquon's a little upset rightfully so and Daniel Jones is, you know, Daniel Jones. I don't, I don't really know what to say on that point. Are they going to be able to make that step after playing 12 to 13 weeks straight of football? We'll have to see. I think the coaching staffs on both of these teams are really strong, so I don't expect them to falter in any way. It's just going to be what's the play on the field there. So you say there's no NFL script. I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but I kind of believe if these four six teams don't make the playoffs i mean call call it a script at that point because that's how it's going to be and then you look at everybody else on the list you see the browns buccaneers packers steelers bears raiders cardinals commanders i don't think there's anyone out there that would be like those are playoff teams except for the browns which i am not uh sold on at all either so these might be the teams that miss the playoffs due to just their bye uh, week standing, but that's all I'll say on the matter. You guys run with that. Tell me what you think. I mean, that's just something I wanted to say so that when it's on tape and we talk about it later in week 17 when we're like, these teams miss the playoffs, I'm going to be like, dang, I think the NFL had a lot to do with that. So that is that. Now I want to jump into another subject before we take a quick little break here on the running backs on the move. Okay, so there's been a lot of headlines on the running backs, and I don't want to specifically talk about how they're being underpaid and everything like that because it's really hard to go into all of that and really justify the basic economics that kind of go behind that. So, But what it was way more fun to talk about is now with a lot of angry running backs, that means a lot of running backs might be on the move. And those names include Jonathan Taylor's been talking about wanting a trade. Ezekiel Elliott is still a free agent. Dalvin Cook, free agent. Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. And there's plenty more, but these are the big names that everyone likes to talk about. And I think the guys that have the most juice left in them. So let's talk about some best landing spots for each. Obviously, off the, off the bat, Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook, I'd put in their own bracket. 
Jonathan Taylor is still a child in the NFL and has only deal, dealt with normal running back injuries. So I expect him to be interested in any team and any team being interested in him. It's going to come down to price. Obviously, I'd want to get out of the poverty franchise. That is the Colts. Like anyone, they have not been able to hold together any sort of relevance for the past couple of years since uh, Andrew Luck departed, unfortunately, early in his career. So Jonathan Taylor's up for grabs. I think any team is going to pay him what they want because he is one of those bell cow running backs that still exists in the league. And that kind of transitions me into Dalvin Cook. I don't know why everyone fell off of Dalvin Cook. And I think that's kind of coming back the longer he's been on the sideline, for lack of a better word. I think he's just taking his time and making sure to pick the right team that he wants to join, see where the injuries take place during this offseason, which have been a lot already and make sure that he makes the right career decision because I've single-handedly watched this man win games for the Vikings over the years. People are like, running backs are overvalued, they should be paid less, but there are still a few bell cow running backs like him and like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and out there that just, you can't, like, we're going to have to pay them at the top of the market. Unfortunately, the top of the market is going to be lower than what it used to be, and that's only hurting them, but Dalvin Cook, I'd put on any team any day. But I think the biggest news has been surrounding the Dolphins and the Jets. Both of those teams are looking to take that next step. With the arrival of Aaron uh, Rodgers on the Jets and the Dolphins just making a lot of free agency noise and trying to see if they have something here with Tua and Mike McDaniel. So I think Dalvin ends up in either of those two teams or any other team that has the cap space to be able to bring in someone if there's any injuries. I mean... I was just talking about the Seahawks. They have two young running backs that are both kind of banged up right now. I would take uh, Dalvin Cook or Jonathan Taylor in a heartbeat, and I know there's a lot of other teams out there that feel the same. It's kind of silly, though, that the (laughs) – funny that I said silly. It's kind of interesting that the Minnesota Vikings, you might have seen the news recently this week, that Mattinson, the new guy that's going to take over, is actually hurt. Does uh, the Vikings ring up Dalvin Cook again and try to fix that relationship? I mean – I don't think it's out of the question. And then there's kind of the tier two free agency open to market running backs, which are uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, and Leonard Fournette. Now, I think the order of who's got the most juice left in their tank goes Kareem Hunt, uh, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, and Leonard Fournette. That's my personal opinion. But I think each of them needs to go to a specific spot to thrive because they both have all have different personalities. So to start with Zeke, as he's the most polarizing of the three, I think he needs to go to a place where he can either be a mainstay, kind of bring life to a program, or a good backup. And both of these places, I think, have uh, the perfect spots for him. So the Patriots and the Chargers, in my opinion, might be the best two spots for him as the Patriots don't really have that kind of voice of the locker room, really good player, really good uh, veteran player that can be behind Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson, who's looking to take that next step. I think he'd be a great addition there. And then also the Chargers. Austin Eckler is a beast and he should not lose his starting role for a second, but everybody needs another running back. You can't just have that one running back nowadays. So I think they need him to get more buzz around their team. Everybody else that they've signed hasn't really made that big step. Like we heard Khalil Mack, but he didn't really make that huge leap that everyone was talking about. Or you still see Derwin James and Joey Bosa just kind of being there, not really making that impact step. Yeah, they're still Pro Bowl level players, but we're talking we need to see production to a level that 
matches what their names are. So I think Zeke would be a great addition to that team to really help the AFC uh, team chargers uh, on that side because they need it. They need it in such a tough division. And then then we go into Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's probably the most versatile on this list of tier twos. This man can catch, he can run, he can do it all, and he's still got that juice left in him, like I was saying. So I think he needs to go to a team that is either a contender or he could be in contention to be a bell cow running back. So the contenders, I think Ravens and Seahawks would be a great fit. Seahawks are a little banged up. Ravens tend to be banged up and a very run-heavy offense with Lamar, but also with everybody else in the backfield. I think he would be a great spot there. Or he can have a resurgence to his career and go to a Cardinals or a Rams or a Commanders and really take that kind of next step. All three of those teams looking to rebuild right now. Yes, the Commanders and Rams aren't really rebuilding necessarily, but the Cardinals for sure are rebuilding. So I think that would be a great spot for him on those lists. And then Leonard Fournette, I mean, remember this man is a physical specimen in the backfield. He is unlike any other running back and can be kind of that power back. And so when you think about power backs, we want to think about a that second running back on a team. So I was thinking Cowboys, I was thinking Panthers, both of which have speed demons to start. Miles Sanders on the Panthers and then on the Cowboys, we have Tony Pollard taking that step. I think him as a good one-two punch, kind of like what they do in Green Bay with uh, Aaron Jones and Dylan in the back end. So I think those are really great. Plus, I think the Patriots are another good spot again. The Patriots need those names. They need the help. They need what they can. So him and Zeke would, I think, be really great. Uh, for the Patriots to be able to stay relevant as Bill's Bill Belichick's the job's not on the line necessarily but you know you could use someone like that in the backfield to help uh help your offense especially when you're run heavy and Mac Jones doesn't really have a weapons a lot of a lot of weapons to throw to so that is kind of my running backs on the move spiel there we've already touched on my conspiracy theory about the bye weeks placement so now we're going to take a little little break here and then we're going to get into some uh, fancy football rankings because i know everybody out there is about to do their drafts and if you've done your draft before this point that general manager of your league should be fired because why would you have a draft before the end of training camp we've seen injuries left and right i understand the leagues that have and i know a bunch of friends that have leagues that just carry over that's a whole different story you keep doing that that sounds fun but on a year-to-year basis do not be doing your draft till the last preseason game ends now like that night or the next day that's when you should be doing your draft and so that was a little spiel that was a little intro to my next thing about hyped or scared by position in fantasy football uh right when we come back with some fancy football everybody loves a good ranking that's why i do them who doesn't do them everybody watches them on youtube and i just want or your favorite podcast and i just want you to check out my list as well so i am here to help you with fancy football because i have some family members out there that can vouch for me and friends that i tend to win fancy leagues that i'm in it's kind of my thing i won back-to-back years during uh these past i didn't win last year i'm pretty sure i got second or third but uh we don't need to talk about that but the two years prior i've won so i feel like i have a little validity to talk on that subject but those people might uh disagree uh with that statement but 
let's jump into it. So this segment is called hyped or scared by position. Pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. Am I hyped about this person or am I scared about drafting this person? And why and how I'm basing that is based on their rank within fantasy football. This is not rankings on NFL or something like that. This is where their average ranking is across the different draft boards and where they're kind of getting drafted. So it'll make sense as I kind of go through that. So just remember, this is not my rankings. This is based on, you know, ESPN, CBS sports, etc. So let's jump into the four main positions that we're going to talk about here. Let's obviously start with the quarterbacks as that's one of the most important positions on your team. So the three quarterbacks that I'm the most hyped about drafting this year based on their rankings in fantasy football. Let's start at the top here. We got Trevor Lawrence coming in at rank number eight. Rank number eight. I mean, that by itself should make you excited. If you can get Trevor Lawrence as your eighth quarterback off the board, you take that all day because that gives you plenty of room to draft multiple running backs, multiple wide receivers, and a really good tight end like Kelsey or Mark Andrews. So, with him being number eight on the board, you take that all day. You don't have to draft that till late rounds. The Jaguars are on the up and coming. We always forget about how good Calvin Ridley was when he was back in the NFL on the Falcons, and now he's back. And with, with Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk and all their other weapons on, on the offensive side with ETN as well, I mean, the Jaguars are going to be fun. They're going to be tossing that ball everywhere. I doubt they're even going to run that much. So Trevor Lawrence is a multifaceted. He can also move a little bit around, and we've seen that's a huge value in fantasy football nowadays. So pick him up with rank number eight. I'm hyped for his season. I expect him to take that next step there. Now these next two might even surprise you more than Trevor Lawrence. The other two quarterbacks I'm hyped for are Aaron Rodgers and Geno Smith. Now you might be thinking, duh, I'm hyped for them too. Well, you're going to get a little more hyped for them when you, when you hear that they're ranked number 14 and 15 on the list of quarterbacks for fantasy football. 14 or 15, they're not even in the top 10, guys. I know Geno Smith, a lot of you are going to say the spiel. Uh, well, he had one good year. Yeah, but I watched that one good year, like I've said a couple times, a little biased towards the Seahawks. I watched every game. This man was hucking it down the field i would take geno smith night and day and guess what he just got another guy and smith from ohio state as a wide receiver to throw to and we have one of the best rookie running backs who should have won rookie of the year in uh kenneth walker who not only runs the ball but opens up the passing lanes because when you have a good run offense you can then throw the ball down the field and then aaron Rodgers, i think it's almost getting disrespectful with where people are putting him i saw the nfl 100 list i'm not even sure he cracked the top 50 this man won back-to-back mvps in 2021 and 2020 i mean what are we I, i might have even gotten those years wrong i'm pretty sure we didn't play football for a little bit during covid but what are we what are we doing I understand that he's older, but we did this with Tom Brady. Like, why Why are we second-guessing maybe a top-10 quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers and putting him at number 14? I'm hyped about it. He's on a new roster with better weapons. He's going to throw the ball better. Yes, the offensive line might scare some people, but they're going to scheme around it. They're going to figure it out and just draft position value. Number 14 you can draft basically your whole team and then draft Rodgers at the end with that kind of placement. So uh, that is who I'm the most hyped about. Again, these I'm not going to obviously say Patrick Mahomes because who's not excited for him? I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to be obvious here. I'm trying to help help the listeners out here. I'm not trying to hurt them by giving them obvious statements. So 
That's what I'm hyped about. But scared? There's a lot to be worried about on the scared list here. So we're starting off first. This name's going to hurt a lot of people, specifically the ladies that listen to it, because I know he's the sexiest man in football. But Joe Burrow, number four. I love Joe Burrow. Don't get me wrong. I love Joe Burrow. But man has gotten hurt in every single preseason, offseason workout every single year. Yes, he's bounced back, Griffin. You are right. And yes, he'll probably bounce back this year, Griffin. You are also probably right. But rank number four off the board, I'm scared. I'm going to take a high-end wide receiver instead. I'm going to take a high-end secondary running back instead. Joe Burrow might be getting taken off the board first. He's ranked number four. I mean, people are going to draft Mahomes, and then it's a toss-up. What do you? Not everybody in your league knows to look at Fields, knows to look at Justin, uh, look at Hurts. Like that's just and, and Justin Herbert. That's some people are going to go for Burrow just out of straight looks. He just looks like an NFL quarterback. So yes, I love Joe Burrow, and I'll take him all day if he's out of the top ten. But that would just be disrespectful. So he's going to get overdrafted. So be careful. And he's just. He's just a little fragile right now. His legs his legs aren't legging. I don't know. I don't know. He pulled up with a calf injury. He's supposed to be fine, but he'll be out for several weeks. He probably won't start the season. And if we've watched any sort of sports, any sort of calf injury scares the heck out of me. And should you, because that's attached to your Achilles. And your Achilles is very important for movement and mobility. And I just, I only hope the best for Burrow. And I, I bet I'm overreacting, but I am worried about Burrow getting drafted fourth on a quarterback ranking list. So take that as you will and draft that sexy man where you want to. But we go into the other scared ones. Deshaun Watson has cracked the top 10 as number nine. I'm sorry. Have we forgotten that this man has not played a full year of football yet? He's been off the field. He's on the Browns. The Browns, guys. He's not. We're not. I'd be more excited if he was on the Texans. The Browns are the Browns. They're going to run the ball with Nick Chubb. They're going to play defense. What is he going to throw to Amari Cooper all day? And he, Amari Cooper is going to have a resurgence? I love Amari Cooper. I've had him on my fantasy team multiple times, but that's not, that's not. <laughs> and yeah, Deshaun Watson can move, but oh, I don't know if he can move that well. So I could be overestimating Deshaun Watson. I just I don't like people that step away from the game. Obviously, he had to step away from the game. But coming back to a team like the Browns with such little organizational structure, I just get worried. So enough said on that. You you can do what you will with rank number nine, Deshaun Watson. I take uh, Rodgers over him in a heartbeat at 14. So And then the last but not least scared is Daniel Jones. Yes, he can use his legs. That's why his value is ranked at number 11. But can he throw? Can Have we defined his throwing? I don't think so. I don't think we've defined that yet. Yes, if he can throw it to Saquon Barkley five yards down the field all day, I'd love it. But Saquon's coming off a little bit of upsetness. I know he'll play with a little chip on his shoulder and try to go really hard and figure things out, but that can also lead to some errors, you know, when you're too fired up for a season. So they're going to be running the ball. They're going to be running it with him specifically. So rank 11, he's just like a middle-tier quarterback. Again, remember when I said Geno Smith and Aaron Rodgers were 14 and 15? I'd take those consistent contributors over Daniel Jones, even though Daniel Jones can run. I mean, Geno Smith got out of the pocket a few times last year, so and they throw it down the field. Daniel Jones tends to not throw it that far down the field. Again, could be completely wrong. So any of my stat gurus out there, 
Light me up because I could be wrong. But that is the quarterbacks. Spent enough time there. Running backs. Who am I hyped about? I'm hyped about Derrick Henry, and I'm hyped about Nick Chubb. For whatever reason, these two are never considered top five running backs to draft. Derrick Henry's ranked six. Nick Chubb's ranked nine. I think it's more disrespectful to Nick Chubb because he carries the Browns like Dalvin Cook used to carry the Vikings and how McCaffrey used to carry the Panthers when healthy. And, oh, speaking of health, these two are the most healthy running backs over the past couple of years. I mean, yeah, we can go with Eckler. Yeah, we can go with McCaffrey. We can go with Saquon. But I'm tired of seeing the questionable logo next to their name every week and not knowing whether they're going to get 10 snaps a game or they're going to get 20. Here's what we know about Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. They're getting 20 touches a game, whether you like it or not. They're getting it. Yeah, they might not break through because their O-lines aren't working or they're playing a good defense, but at 6-9, and that's amazing value. If I'm drafting 6th or ninth in my league, I'm taking them in a heartbeat. They have not slowed down. We're always waiting for them to slow down. I'd rather be... I'd rather their slowdown year be when I pick them than to miss out on another good year again because there's other positions that can pick up the slack for them, and they're not going to slow down to a level that is just insurmountable to make up for other way uh other parts of your lineup so there's that and then aaron jones mr catch it out of the backfield a lot i mean i saw a stat that i think it was aaron Rodgers last year had the most throws to uh, most percentage throws at or behind the line of scrimmage most of the time that was going to aaron jones because this man can not only run but he can catch the ball and fly up the field he's also super nimble i don't know if you watch a lot of aaron jones i had him on my team last year so speaking a little bias on here but my man can shift and get through positions i know he's not the biggest guy and that's what dylan's for he's supposed to pound through the middle or around the outside this is why he's versatile you want aaron jones you want a versatile running back especially at 13 think if you're drafting six and you get your second round pick to come in at the end of that round or the middle of the next round, you might be able to pick up a Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones combo with where these two are sitting. So I think I've spoken enough on Aaron Jones. Great. Take him all day as a good number two or a number one. He was my number one last year and it proved very, very good. So that's who I'm hyped about on the running backs. Scared, however, there's a lot to be afraid of on the running backs. They're not happy, first of all. So I wouldn't want to be around a running back because they're going to run tough but they're also gonna might be playing a little too aggressive and those ones are kind of the injury prone guys specifically uh christian mccaffrey and jonathan taylor jonathan taylor is quite literally injured right now and christian mccaffrey yes had a great year with the 49ers last year but did we forget the last three years where everyone took him number one and he was a disappointment due to injury completely out of his control i might add so Christian McCaffrey is going number one on a lot of boards and Jonathan Taylor is going number five. I take Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry over both of them just due to how we can rely on them every single week. We cannot rely on those other two. Christian McCaffrey might have a great year and might cement himself, but number one overall off the board, I'm thinking Justin Jefferson instead, or I'm or I'm trading back being like, hey, does anyone in my league not want to, does somebody in the league want to draft first? Because I don't. So those two, I'm a little bit worried about for injury concerns. And then Ramondre Stevenson is number 10 on the running back list. I'm sorry. I don't remember the season or the headlines about Ramondre Stevenson being a top 10 running back in the NFL. 
I could be wrong or just haven't been watching uh, football a lot, but I am again, he is not one spot below Nick Chubb and then three spots ahead of Aaron Jones. Like, I think that's enough set. And it's the Patriots. Like, ah, we look at the Patriots as like can never do wrong. They always run the ball. They're going to be, but they always have like four different running backs. So how do we know Ramondre Steven and Fournette or Zeke or Dalvin Cook could get picked up by them and then that just gets taken off the board. Again, this is why you draft late into the year, first of all. And second of all, I just am worried. Maybe this is his breakout year, but I think people are just overvaluing him at number 10. So that's what I'll say on that. No no knocks to any of these guys. I hope that's very clear. Doubt any of them are going to hear this. But if you are friends with any of these people, remind them that I'm not trying to come down on any of them there. So now on to wide receivers and tight ends. We'll start with wide receivers as those are always fun to talk about. So who I'm the most hyped about, Justin Jefferson, number one. I think he should be your first pick off the board in fantasy football if you're a top five pick. I take him over a lot of running backs in the top five, especially knowing that my favorite running backs aren't even going till five to 14. So Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins is not looking anywhere else but him. Everybody else on the field is a decoy. He catches everything. The man's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Enough said. Devontae Adams, also hyped about, ranked number five. He's fallen down the list. I understand that people love Cooper Cup and they love Jamar Chase. I don't even know who the fourth person is, but they don't love him. They love him more than Devontae Adams, which I think is silly because Devontae Adams has been arguably the best wide receiver over the past five years until Justin Jefferson showed up and Jamar Chase is still also taking that next step. So at number five, you can get him in the second or third round because people aren't going to be looking. People are going heavy running back this year trying to get all of those guys in the top 20 so with the rank five you could get that you could secure a nice nick chubb Devonte adams combo for your league and you'll be you'll be winning by the end of the league i might add so look out for Devonte adams i know he's with the one of the worst teams in the nfl but jimmy garoppolo gets the ball where it needs to be talk to debo samuel talk to george kittle talk to christian mccaffrey like all of these guys not even not Christian McCaffrey. I take that one back. But talk to those other two about Jimmy G being a facilitator of the offense. Get a, gets you the ball when you want it. So those are my hyped. Actually, no, it's not my hyped. I have one more hyped. I already I already said his name, so I mentally checked him off the list. Debo Samuel. Take a guess at where he lands on the wide receiver list. Top ten? No. Top fifteen for sure. No. Number seventeen. Debo Samuel, the run slash catch threat. Last time I checked, fantasy football is all about being multi-faceted. Ranked number 17. After he's been sending pictures to his coach about how ready he is for the season, how shredded he is, this man's ready to prove, prove something this year. I'm taking Debo Samuel, ranked 17 all day. You could get him and Devontae Adams in a draft. You can get two tier one wide receivers with where he's being ranked. I honestly love it. I'm glad that he's undervalued because he has not missed a step. I know last year was down, if we want to say that. But at 17, that's that's a little disrespectful. And you'll know why when I go to the, the next list that I find that a little disrespectful too. So my scared list. These are all the big names. These are all the headline guys. These are... You know, the one-year wonders. 
I don't even know if that was true, what I just said, but you know, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to develop credibility here. So scared. I'm scared about AJ Brown. Number nine on the list, top 10 wide receiver. Yes. He had a great year. Yes. Jalen hurts got him the ball, but they also threw the ball less than most teams in the NFL. So I'm worried about them doing the same thing again next year. And let's just say AJ Brown doesn't catch every ball or Jalen hurts doesn't throw every ball correctly. Like he did. And it's the little Super Bowl hangover. I would expect it to be out of the top 10 after the season's end in terms of ranking. Like I said, Debo Samuel, I just feel like has more value on a on a team that utilizes him more. A.J. Brown is the number one option. They're going to be covering him in a way that it's going to be hard to get open. But again, this man's massive and he's so good at football. So what do I know? I'm just a little bit worried about drafting him as a ninth ranked wide receiver. These other two I'm very worried about for different reasons, but kind of a similar concept. Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins, both of which are going 16 and 19 respectfully. So both top 20 wide receivers. What's great about the wide receiver position is every year we see a ton of breakouts. We see a ton of guys jumping in the top 20 that weren't in the top 20. These two, I think, are at the tail end of their top 20 dominance. Keenan Allen, to no fault of his own, getting a little older, little more injured that offense is getting a little more expansive with the uh, draft this year of the tcu wide receiver there so that's kind of an exact comp of him so he might be doing similar roles as keenan allen and then deandre hopkins i mean i love the guy but we're on the most run heavy offense in the league with derrick henry taking over in uh tennessee plus Questions around quarterbacks. Can Tannehill still sling it? Will they give uh, Malik Willis? Will they still give uh, Will Levis some time out there? I think so. The future is now for the Tennessee Titans, so they're going to throw it out there. So with a suffering O-line, not not the best team. That, nobody likes playing the Titans, but when you play them, you know, you can you can kind of have your way if you if you game plan, game plan correctly. So a little bit worried on that front for DeAndre Hopkins being a top 19 after nobody really wanted to sign him all summer and they ended up signing him and yes, money talks. And that's what, that's all it was at the end of the day, but no big team that was on the horizon to winning wanted to put up that money. So that should tell you a little bit more than um, where he's going ranking wise. That is wide receivers. Tight ends is super straightforward. Here's who I'm hyped about the top three tight ends. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson. Unfortunately, fantasy football does not help the tight ends because they do not calculate awesome blocks and great uh, screen plays. They only get catches like wide receivers. But unfortunately, tight ends have to do a little bit more than wide receivers. So there's no real debate that there's a huge drop-off between three and four on that list. So if you're not picking one of those three, you might as well save yourself and pick later and take a risk on a wide receiver or a running back that could take more snaps this year. So take those three, take Travis Kelsey above all Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. I'm a little wary about, but Mark Andrews, I think is a pretty solid still with uh, Lamar coming back fully. So that's pretty simple. And anyone that knows football knows that those are the three that you want to target the scared list. It just goes back to those names that are really flashy and we always talk about them and yet I never really feel good about drafting them or I always see them on the free agent wire. And uh, the first one I want to start with is David Njoku at number 10. Every year we're like, it's his year. It's his year. He's going to do great. He's going to get open. 
He's getting, but then he ends up not playing. He's a backup by week two. And I love the guy, physical specimen, but rank 10, I mean, I don't know if he's a top 10 tight end. There's a lot of rookies out there that are going to make some names. And I just, I think David's time has come and passed to be a top 10 tight end in this NFL uh, career and specifically in fantasy football where you need to get touches. And I don't know if he's going to get enough. So a little scared to draft him with a rank 10. And then I'm also really scared to drink, uh, draft Pat Fryermuth from the Steelers. Yeah, see, the Steelers as a whole, I just, like, I love Kenny Pickett. They're a run-heavy offense, as they should be. And throwing the ball, they're still trying to figure it out while rebuilding the O-line. I just don't – I think Fryermuth is better at blocking. He's better at, like, I need a third and three, I'm going to catch the ball kind of situation. But he's not – He's not that guy in the red zone. He's not a deep threat. He's a big dude. He is used for blocking and catching those dink and dunks. So at rank number eight, like I said with tight ends, I'm just worried. If you don't get one of the top three, I'd be happy to get one of these guys super late in the draft, but a lot of people reach. So just remember that. And then last but not least, Kyle Pitts, rank number seven, still young, still figuring his way, but he's on the Atlanta Falcons who just added another toy to their arsenal with Bijan Robinson, who's going to literally do what Kyle Pitts does and do everything. But last year they didn't use Kyle Pitts all that often. And every fantasy owner wouldn't let us uh, hear the end of it. They were so mad. They drafted him second over Mark Andrews in some leagues. Yes, he has all the talent in the world, but it's if the coaching staff's not going to scheme you into the system, not much you can do. And they have Desmond Ritter potentially leading the helm there. We need to see what he's like throwing the ball. And if he's going to throw it to anyone, it's going to be the wide receivers. I mean, Drake London's going to take that next step or Bijan Robinson. They're the most, I think they actually are the most run heavy offense with Cordell Patterson and Bijan Robinson in the backfield. So just know that I'm a little bit worried with those guys, but if you can get them late in the draft, that's good value. So that is my rankings for fantasy football. That ends that segment there again. Let me know what you think, what you think. I'm probably wrong on some of these, but again, I won the league twice in the last three years. So I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at my job, my, my side hustle there. But now I'm going to take a little bit of break and then come back for the quarterback tiers. They were announced by Mike Sando, and I kind of want to go over my thoughts there and then college football to wrap it up here. So BRB. All right, we're back. Two more segments to go here. I know it's been a long first one, 42 minutes in. I appreciate anyone that's still listening. I try to save some good segments here for the end. Obviously, these are more discussion-based, and I love talking about this stuff because I grew up. Actually, I know I joked about watching SportsCenter, but I actually did grow up doing that stuff, and I still, every single lunch, I'm I'm watching and listening to the Colin Cohards and the Nick Wrights and all the Ringer and Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell. I'm listening to all those guys. So this is where I get my opinions from. Plus then I form my own opinions based off of what those guys say. And I just really, really like talking about this type of stuff. So let's go over some headline news here. First of which is Mike Sando released his quarterback tears. No, it was not by him. It's voted on by 50 coaches and executives anonymously. And they're able to give their opinion. And then Mike Sando just puts it all buttoned up and gives it to the public to argue about for months. 
especially when there's no football on. So we're just all speculating. This is all speculation. So here is my breakdown and kind of my opinion on it, as I know a lot of you have probably already seen it. So tier one, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Rogers, Herbert. I love Rogers being in this. I was worried he was going to get undervalued just like he was in the top 100 rankings from the NFL, which is voted on by players. So players are underrating him. But the executives and the coaches still love Rodgers, and I think they remember his greatness. And when put in the right situation, he can be great. Herbert, however, I have a little bit of an issue with. When we're talking tier one, we're talking about the best of the best. And that does not just mean talent or possibility. We need to see results. Herbert has had the weapons. He has had the team. I know the coaching's a little speculative, but there's multiple people on the field that you can throw to, and I just don't think he's tier one. He's won zero playoff games? One playoff game? I don't even know, but I know it's less than two. I just cannot put him in tier one off of sheer he's 6'6", 220, can throw the ball 100 yards. Yes, he's great. He's great at throwing the ball, but tier one... We need some wins. And that's going to go into my second topic here for Tier 2 where I kind of have the biggest quarrels with is. So Tier 2 we had in its Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Lawrence, Prescott, Stafford, Watson, and Cousins. I'm the most upset for Jalen Hurts here because if anybody else in the league, and I'm talking Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, did what he did last year, this man would be arguably up there with Mahomes as best quarterback. We would be seeing everywhere people arguing who's the actual best quarterback. But for whatever reason, Hertz is a tier two quarterback. I just don't appreciate it. I think it's negligent on the voters of this. Jalen Hurts, we've seen through college, have the greatest mindset ever. You can ask my brother. I've been the biggest Jalen Hurts fan ever. I was sending him the clips when Jalen Hurts was working out at 3 a.m. because he just works out at 3 a.m. to get better. He has the right mindset about everything. He came in behind Wentz, took his turn, took his time, took all the heat when he took over and wasn't that great off the start. And now look at him. He was runner-up to MVP. He should be in tier one strictly off of what he did last year and the development we've seen every single year. He can run and he can throw. That's what the league is. That's why we have Allen up there in the in the tier one. That's why we have Herbert in Mahomes, multifaceted. So I just think it's completely disrespectful. I know Jalen Hurts is at home not even watching that ranking come out. But man, if this was anybody else that did what Hurts did last year, if this was Trevor Lawrence that did this, if this was Deshaun Watson that did this, if this was Kyler Murray, we would put him up in Tier 1. So I know he's Tier 2. He's the top of Tier 2, but I still think it's just disrespectful. He should be in Tier 1. And then my other quarrel is Tier 2 has Deshaun Watson. And I already kind of spoke on how I'm scared about his year. What has he done to do be a tier two quarterback? We're all just watching like six games last year. Plus then we're watching tape of him throwing to open wide receivers in practice. I mean, I know he was a good talent, but we can't put him on that list based off of remembering what he was on the Texans. Like it again, these lists are silly and I know they're just for us to do this at the end of the day, but those are my issues with tier two tier three is Murray, Carr, Goff, Wilson, Tua, Garoppolo, Jones, 
Geno, Justin Fields, Tannehill, and Jones. So just so many different names. It's just kind of that kind of that tier. I don't even know what to call it. It's the one guy at the top could be better than the guy at the bottom, but then at the end of a season, it could be completely switched. So my biggest quarrels or my biggest topics is Geno, just like with Jalen Hurts. If anybody else did what Geno did, they would be like if Justin Fields did what Geno did, if Tua was kind of on that kind of way, if, if Stafford did it, if Prescott did it, we'd be putting Geno in tier two, no problem. So for him to be in tier three, a little disrespectful. Garoppolo, I think is actually the most perfectly placed guy on this tier. Number three, he's perfect. He's the ultimate game manager. I think he leads this group. I know he's very injury prone, but I would put him above Murray and above Wilson and above Goff as I know he's been overpaid, but when he's good, he's right. He's just right. And with Devontae Adams, I think we're going to be talking differently about Garoppolo if he stays healthy healthy at the end of the year. And then tier four, we have Purdy, Pickett, Love, Mayfield, Howell, Ritter, and Minshew. Now, these are kind of your rookies. These are kind of your uh, late Late to the gamers, you know, anything in between. I think Purdy being in tier four kind of goes back to that Hurts situation. I know we've only seen part of a season of Brock Purdy. But if anyone did what Brock Purdy did last year and take the 49ers to where they did, as a game manager, I will say, we would put him in tier three. I think he deserves a bump up just like I think Geno does and just like I think Hurts does. Mayfield, I'm very interested to see how his season goes. Tampa has good weapons, has a good O-line. He could have a little resurgence, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're 2-2 two and two to start the year that people are like, huh, Mayfield's kind of holding it together. That's if he wins the job. I mean, I know Kyle Trask might get some snaps too, so I just I hate to see the Mayfield, the stumble of Mayfield that has gone on. It was way too fast. It was a great time when he was leading the Browns early on, and I just feel bad because I know he he had the talent. He just, uh, I think some the momentum, the momentum just kind of killed him. And then last but not least is Minshew on this list. I mean, I got to talk about Minshew. As you can tell, I'm qu- quite a Washington fan. And when I say Washington, I mean Washington State specifically for colleges. And Minshew, man, who doesn't love Minshew? Tier four, I'm just glad he made it on this list. He might be the starting quarterback for the Colts if uh, – uh, Anthony Richardson can't really figure it out at the beginning or gets hurt. So I love, I just love that he's on the list and that's kind of why I wanted to call that out. But <laughs> that was the tears. Again, let me know what you think. My biggest takeaway is Hertz needs to go up and Herbert needs to go down. That's the biggest takeaway. That's just negligent where they put those two, but we continue on. On to college football to wrap up this. I'm going to try to keep this within the 10 minutes so this lands on an hour exactly. So who's winning it all, taking a step back, and who's up next? Now, winning it all, I kept it simple because that's how college football works. The best teams always win. Ask Alabama, ask Georgia, they'll send you the receipts. So winning it all, Georgia's ranked number one. I have no reason to think they won't still be number one. So I think they will be in the national championship again if they figure out the QB situation because why wouldn't they? They have a five-star quarterback coming in to take over for Stenson. I think there will be a little bit of a hiccup, and they lost like 80% of their defense again, but they also lost that the year before. So wouldn't be surprised if they're great. 
And the next team that will play them, I think, is Michigan. And they're both ranked one and two in the preseason, way too early preseason poll. And I think Michigan has to take that step this year. They have the QB situation worked out with McCarthy. They have the coach in hardball. I mean, they have Blake Corum coming back, one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, their defense is great. There's the, I'm pretty sure Harbaugh is quoted as saying 20 players or something from their defense are going to get drafted or maybe their team overall next year in the drafts, and I believe it. As a Seahawks fan, I'll take every single one of them. I don't care. So I think it'll be a 1-2 matchup, and you're like, oh, that's boring. We don't want 1-2. We want some parity. Nope. It's always the same. It's always the same in football. So whoever's 25th ranked, enjoy being 25th ranked in college because you might not be ranked by the end of the year and we'll forget that you were a top 25 team. That's kind of how college football works. Speaking of becoming unranked, let's talk about who's taking a step back. Now, we look at TCU and we look at Tennessee, both ranked 10th and 12th respectively in preseason polling. TCU, great story last year. Got absolutely smoked by Georgia. Hurt to watch every minute of it. But TCU losing their main quarterback? I mean, this is a quarterback-driven sport. Now that they've lost him, I'm a little bit worried. Ranked number 10? I mean, I don't even remember where they started last year, but it wasn't 10th. I know they have a great coach, great organization, probably a lot of starters coming back, but there's no way that they do what they did last year again. They 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 were like the Vikings of last year. They won a lot of comeback games. You flip one or two of those games and they're not even in the conversation to where they were. They deserved everything they got last year and they worked hard for it. But if we're doing a taking a step back poll, that feels like the first one to say. And that's also in the same text bracket as Tennessee. They're also losing their all-star QB to the NFL. And so... Why would they take a step forward? Okay, you might be saying, yeah, they got Milton coming in, that big man that's going to throw it 100 yards in videos in the offseason, but they're Tennessee. Let's remember who they are. Tennessee has been irrationally thought about for a lot of times because they're in the SEC. And yeah, if they played in the Pac-12 and the ACC, we'd probably be like, that's a top 10 team right there. But rank number 12 kind of feels where they should be, if not further back, with how many teams I think are going to take step forward and how packed the SEC is. Yeah, they had some upset victories. Yes, they had some big wins, but I don't think they pulled those same wins off again this year. I'm ready to be wrong about both of these teams. I love when new teams or teams that used to be great take that step forward and challenge those kind of blue bloods. But I think for picking, taking a step back teams, those are two obvious choices. Now, who's up next? And when I say up next, I mean ready to take that take that battle, take that TCU step to face a Georgia or a Michigan or Ohio State or Bama in a playoff. First is LSU. I know they're ranked sixth in the AP polling right now, but LSU had a great year last year, beating some good teams, upsetting uh, Alabama. I mean, it's just I think they have what they need. Coach Kelly's got a good staff around him. He's got tons of new recruits coming in sec powerhouse lsu might be back to where they were when burrow was there kind of vibe so i expect them to take that next step and then the other two teams are eight and nine and that's usc and washington and when i say washington i don't mean washington state unfortunately and it pains me to not say the word state when i say washington because i don't love saying any good things about the washington huskies but i also watched them all year being a pac-12 observer 
and they kicked just about everyone's ass. They really did, and they had Penix. Penix was the reason why. That man is a Heisman finalist coming up this year and will definitely be a top five quarterback getting drafted next year. That's just my opinion on the matter. And USC is the same way. Most high-powered offense with Caleb Williams, even better than Penix. And I think both of these Pac-12 schools are going to make a name for themselves as kind of their last years as being in the Pac-12. As we know, USC is departing and Washington. I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten makes that move shortly after. So being ranked 8-9, and nine, they're going to have easier Pac-12 schedules, get a lot of wins under their books, and then be able to go into the end of the season fighting for a good playoff spot. So do you agree, disagree? Let me know. But I will leave you with this interesting data point because I know a lot of you probably have opinions about anybody out of the top 10. You love your good uh, 24th overall, or you love your good Florida Gulf Coast, or whoever you root for, or Tulane. Well, you'd be uh, interested to know that since 2000, only three teams ranked outside the preseason top 10 won the national championship. The last time that happened was Auburn, and they were number 22 in 2010. Now, you might be saying, Auburn, when were they good? Oh, yeah, that's right. They had that phenomenal guy named Cam Newton for a year. Yeah, that man won the Heisman, was drafted, and was an amazing NFL quarterback. So, of course, that happened in 2010. There's always going to be that one year that everyone's then going to pick out and be like, that's when it happened. That was the last time, too, and that was in 2010. It's been 13 years since that point. So, this year won't be any different with how top-heavy college football is. It's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And I know there's going to be a team that just pops out of nowhere that everyone's going to be like, wait, wait, you never know. You never know. But I feel like I know on this one because Georgia, (laughs) Georgia will be like, I'll let them know for you. So there you have it. Welcome to a show about sports. I just spoke a lot. I tried to break it up, give you a little bit of music here and there. I hope you like the intro music I was thinking about making sure it looks cool. I hope you like the artwork. Please subscribe share it with your friends. I don't even think you can like podcasts, so but if you can, like the podcast. Tell your friends and let me know what you think. The comments, give me a star rating, tell me what you think. I'd love to know the feedback on the episodes and kind of my points. I am doing all of this through all of the podcast networks, so you should be able to get this wherever you listen to your podcast. And also, if you want to talk to me more in person, and when I say in person, I mean over social media. You can go through threads. I'm using threads. I'm kind of jumping on that bandwagon as I'm worried about Twitter and X or whatever. So I'm on threads. I'm tweeting all of this stuff. Tweeting. I'm threading all of this stuff. So you will have seen a lot of these opinions and I post stuff all the time on my kind of weekly opinions. And then I hope to be able to bring you episodes like this on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, depending on the news. I know it's a little slow right now, but once things pick up, we're going to have a lot of things to talk about. Football basketball will be back before you know it so again i appreciate all the support as i know uh some people some of my friends are probably laughing right now some of them might be cheering i don't know standing ovations from their homes or maybe you're driving to work and you're just about to have a better day because of this so that's just what i hope and so i'll leave you with that as now i'm just vamping so uh have a great rest of your day and we'll we'll talk later cheers